Like if you don't have a friend that isn't Tamar, then then you need to be that that friend. Yeah. Um, you need to be a Tamari. And so mm -hmm. it's really nice to get to play a type of person who we all need in our lives. folks um this is actually really exciting the person that i have on today um some of you will know her through a very popular um series that's growing right now it's amazing it's um well produced just incredible acting and i wanted to combine both her traveling experiences as well as her creativity through acting. So thank you so much, Amber, Shayna Williams, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for fans of the show. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah. All right. So how long have you been an actress? Um, I think I started to dabble around 2010, which would make it 11 years. But as far as um, that being my main goal and taking it really seriously, that was about 2014. So, um, what's this, 11 math, 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 eight years <laughs> uh, as a full-time actor, yeah. Yeah, okay, great. So, um, why did you choose to be an actress? Why did you choose this field? And honestly, most actors would tell you that they didn't choose it, it kind of chooses them, uh, but, I, I went to college, did everything, nursing, corporate, executive assistant, marketing, like all of this stuff. And I always wanted to be an actor, but you're always told a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of people are told growing up that they need to pick a real career. You need to be something like a doctor, a lawyer, you know, um, somebody with substance, an accountant, you know, things like this. So that's what I went forward thinking and I was like, well, I'll be a nurse like my mom because kind of have a head start. And I did all that and I was super unhappy. Uh, and then uh, I lost someone very, very close to me. And kind of one of the last things that they said to me was like, do what it is that you want to do with your life because I've worked hard enough for you to be able to. It was my grandpa. And so, you know, you have to think of what my grandpa was older than all the other people's grandparents. He was old enough to be their, their dad. So he was here in 1920s and 1918, wow. you know? Mm -hmm. And so he, he, he was there through all the things that mm -hmm. we couldn't do in the States. And so he's like, mm -hmm. I worked darn hard for you to be able to do whatever it is you want to go do it. So I like left everything behind, quit my job. You know, um, I didn't know what I was gonna do next, but here mm -hmm. I am. Wow, that's so inspiring. I love the fact that he said that to you. Wow, he sounded like a really wise person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and where are you located now? Yeah, so I'm in Madrid, so probably neighbors, who knows? I'm in Madrid and um, I've been here for over four years now, uh, but I, I still live between Spain and the U.S. because of work. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, of course, minus COVID, because that was the longest I've been in Spain, like straight. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I am in Madrid right now. Okay, yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that because I know that you also work in the U.S. Um, because the big show we're going to talk about later is based in the U.S. So yes. I wanted to ask, how do you navigate traveling, you know, between countries and working? Well, before it wasn't really difficult. You know, you buy a ticket, hop on a plane, you get to where you have to go. 
uh, after COVID, I guess we call them COVID times now, it's a bit of a challenge because you know you have to get your PCR test and you have to make sure there aren't any quarantines. If there are quarantines, you have to fly in early for something and things are always changing. But I've kind of ever since 2015, I've kind of lived my life on the road because of the type of jobs that I've had. And so I'm really accustomed to hopping on a flight um, every few weeks. And, and that's usually between cross-continental. So that's usually between the US and Spain, like every five to six weeks since 2015, I was just in all around the US. And so I was actually more accustomed to sleeping in a hotel bed than my own for a while. Sounds like an intense life. Yeah, and you know, it, it kind of helps that I don't have kids right now because mm -hmm. I'm sure if I did, it'd just be really hard on, on them. Mm -hmm. And then of course, me as a mom, um, and so I don't plan any time soon anyway to, mm -hmm. to make that, you know, next step. But it is, you get homesick sometimes, but then when you're home for a long time, you get like travel sick. I don't know. Is that <laughs> yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you miss the outdoors. You miss what you, what you're used yeah. to, which is like exploring, right? Yeah. You, you miss just finding something new. You miss somebody else cleaning up your room you miss yeah. um just yeah you're right you miss exploring and and seeing your travel friends or travel family yeah and so it was it was actually it was great at first at okay i'm not gonna say it was great but at the beginning of uh, the the mandatory quarantine we all had last year mm -hmm. i kind of thrived because although i'm an ambivert i lean more towards the introverted side so i'm totally comfortable being in the house i don't need to leave i don't need to go anywhere i don't need to i can just be in the house and be okay and that yeah. was great and then i was like gosh i haven't left in a really long time i miss seeing people in the world and so it kind of flipped and i'm really happy we kind of get the chance to now hopefully it stays that way yeah, yeah, I'm grateful for it too because, um, yeah, I came here to explore <laughs> and um, being in the house for a while, you know, being mandatory and not being able to leave except for, you know, necessary oh things. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Yeah, so you, you're here for two years, like a year and a half of that was in quarantine. Yeah. Poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. I was like wondering at one point, wait, what am I doing here? <laughs> at one point. <laughs> But everything works for a reason, <laughs> thankfully. Reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is actually interesting because I think I started this interview show uh, during the quarantine or a little bit after because I wanted to start getting more of a perspective from other people who travel because I feel like there's a wealth of knowledge that can be gained when you know, you're traveling and for a different reason, like for you, for instance, you're acting and you're also here in Spain for another reason. So what is that? Oh, well, I always say people move cross country or internationally for one or two things, it's either work or it's love or some combination <laughs> of the two. So yeah. I initially moved here for love and mm -hmm. it worked out for me. Oh, <laughs> congrats. <laughs> And um, yeah, that was the initial reason that I came to Spain. You were working on the multi-series show, The Chosen, right? Talking about yes. the life of Jesus as well as his followers, which is a big yes. deal because I love the heart of the show, talking about the human experiences of those that, you know, what, we, what they believe would be the human experiences of those who are around Jesus. 
Yeah, and let me tell you something. When I saw you <laughs> in the episode that you um indescribable passion, episode six. Uh-huh. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Look, first of all, I was blown away by your beauty. But at the same time, yeah, definitely beautiful. But at the same time, how fierce and passionate you were for your friend. But at the same time, soft-hearted and just loving. It was like a great combination. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, so I, I was just inspired. And also, um, honestly, because of the diversity, um, a lot of the time in faith-based films, um, you know, especially in the past, you don't really see people who look like us. You don't. You really don't. <laughs> yeah, and when I saw you... and. The history was accurate as well because you play a lady from Ethiopia, Tamar. Who grew up in Egypt, yeah. Right, right. So the history is accurate, but at the same time, it shows how, uh, how should I say, it was still multinational or um, international because yeah. there were people around that time who would have interacted with Jesus who were from different nations. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, I mean, it's the same here. Like, you're here. And Spain. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we took a flight to get here instead of a boat or instead of walking, but, but you're here. Mm -hmm. And it's the same back then, especially because she was in Capernaum, which is, which was a port town, you know, mm -hmm. where the boats would come in. So if you're going to be anywhere, you know, you're, uh, especially as an international, just like California, just like Florida, just like Barcelona. Barcelona is one of the most international uh, cities in Spain. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the reasons because it this port town it is it is right there on the coast and that attracts a lot of people and so i really like that they had um you know diverse casts like the majority of all the cast is, is of of um ethnic descent whether it's from middle east or latin america or, or yeah. african descent or yeah. egyptian and it's just like oh thank goodness because, <laughs> because can you imagine all the flack we get if um um it wasn't so um so uh blended like this and so they did a really good job with that and i was really lucky that they brought me back more than once too so i'm really happy about that yeah and you just ended or they just ended the series and we got got to see you you know no spoilers because people are seeing it now that you yeah. are actually a part of the followers <laughs> Yeah, so that call came and shocked the heck out of me. And I was like, me? Like, cause it, she, you know, she was supposed to come in, go out, you know, bam. Uh -huh. and, and that was that. And they were like, mm, no, we need her again. And I was just really excited because, you know, even though there are Tamars in the Bible, you know, just like there are multiple Jesuses, people were named Jesus at this time, just like there are multiple um, um, Josephs and James, big James, little James, like, People had these names, right? Yes. Um, so there were more than one Tamar in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And who knows, there were other people named Tamar. So even though she specifically was not named as, as, as who she's portrayed in the show, there were tons and tons of Tamars that lived in that time. And I'm glad that they chose me to be able to represent the type of person that she was. Um, like you said, like just a wonderful friend. I always say like, if you don't, have a friend that isn't Tamar, then then you need to be that that friend. Yeah. Um, you need to be a Tamar, and so mm -hmm. it's really nice to get to play a type of person who we all need in our lives. Yes, and I think it's easily overlooked because mm -hmm. we like, especially individual and 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 
I don't want to say egocentric, but just like we're really focused on our own uh, paths. And like, I just, I got to get there. I got to get there. Do it on my own. I got to get there. And then you realize, I think I just, I can't, I can't always do this alone. Like you need to have a, a squad and you need to yeah. have a tribe. Yes. You need to make sure that the tribe that you have is, is, um, is there to make, they make you better. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Surround yourself with people who want the best for you, people who want you to win, people who truly love you, people who want you healed. Like, and so it was just really nice to be able to play that and um, a character with like so many places she can be. And it was so, I'm not without any spoilers, it was really nice for season eight to see Tamar smile for a bit. Yeah. And, and, and joke around because mm. she don't so tense, like her face was like, and then just to have this moment of where she can just, just be, you know, yeah. calm. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, to be a lady like she is. And you can tell that she is because she's so classy with her style. Listen, <laughs> I mean, it was like, she wakes up and she already is getting uh -huh. her things together, her head wrap on. I talked, I was like, y'all, when are we going to take this off? Because this <laughs> Because <laughs> we, we don't always wake up and do all of this. And they were like, uh -huh. well, tomorrow, guys, at least uh -huh. for now. So uh, I like had to beg for me not to wear that um, that corset. <laughs> I was like, please, I had love, I can't anything in here right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, she's she's on it. She's she is on it and she's up and she's passionate. And mm -hmm. we could all learn something from her. Yeah, I agree. We, we definitely could. And um, yeah, I'm happy that we got to see her some more. You know, it, it was amazing. And um, you mentioned that a lot of the cast, they're international. So what is that like working with such a diverse cast? It's a relief um, oh. to, to put it to put it up, you know, bluntly, because especially working here in Spain, mm -hmm. you're often one of the only diverse hires on set. I feel like often it's just still a little bit behind. I think because in the States, you know, we've fought so long to be, to, for, to be um, accepted as equals right. and that we've been there for so long that mm -hmm. it's not uncommon to see, you know, a black doctor or a black lawyer or, you know, a black reporter and all of these things where you just see us speckled everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Here, you have to remember that the country wasn't really even open until the 80s yeah and so it's like far behind and people being here so you a lot of us are first generation immigrants and maybe second generation you know internet um multicultural you know because maybe a spanish mom or a spanish dad you know right and so it's still not as common to see us in positions other than students or maybe a teacher or, mm -hmm. or maybe um what just like the few other jobs that we, you don't often see us doing journalism or, or um being doctors or being lawyers here but it's, mm -hmm. it's it's a slow slow but steady kind of pace so i'm just hoping that that changes over the next you know 14 years but for sure i'm hoping mm -hmm. that changes because that's going to open up doors to be providing more narratives for people that look like you and me right so right now the narrative is i've come from this war-torn country yeah. here <laughs> for safety and mm -hmm. i can only get a job teaching english or watching your kids and uh -huh. that's, that's your story 
yeah. your, your trauma is your story. When in fact, we have everyday lives. We fall in love, mm -hmm. we go to school, mm -hmm. you know, like we, the, this is the, these are the type of narratives that we want to show. And often I don't get a chance to, to tell those type of narratives when I'm here. When I'm here, I'm usually the American. I'm a reporter, I'm a presenter. I'm doing something like this. I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, um, transplant or something on extranjera and it, it's it's a little exhausting but i know i have to be patient in this game so this is why i often work in the states or wherever else because they're looking for people that look like us all the time yeah yeah there are more options there i really like your heart though like in being patient and wanting to see the change and working <laughs> along with it <laughs> no that is like a virtue that I need to work on the hardest. So I say that, but it's actually one of the most difficult things for me is to be patient. And I'm definitely a work in progress on that because it's like the only thing you can do other than be patient is to stress about something. And is that going to help anything? Yeah. Not really. Mm -hmm. So if there's nothing you can do about it, then you need to be focusing on what you can do and what, what um, uh, ripples in the water that you can make and even if it starts at the smallest level, and, and sometimes I'm sure they're sick of me when they come here and they're like, oh yeah, we want Amber to be a part of this. And I'm like, cool. Okay, but you're gonna treat me fairly. You're gonna pay me fairly. Uh -huh. And you're gonna have to keep in mind that I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna make the rest of my culture look bad. Right. And when I do that, sometimes you're like, mm, that's not normal for people to be so exigente, which means like demanding. It's like, it's not demanding, that's like basic, you know, very like the minimum that Dignity. you should be doing, <laughs> right? Huh. And and the thing is, the great thing is that it, it always happens. Okay. But I have to, you know, as a woman, and you understand that we that we always kind of get that label of um, we have to keep quiet and kind mm -hmm. of you know just sit back and, and and not make too much noise because you know we label you know difficult or mm -hmm. like this like. It's beyond that because now every decision that you make, you are like a, you have to be like the spokesperson for your entire country or your entire culture. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of pressure, and so I'm not going to come in here and let you or let anyone put their foot on my culture, mm -hmm. put their foot on on people that look like us. And if that's going to be a difficult pill to swallow, then we we go on to the, the place that celebrates us and not tolerates us yeah oh my gosh wow it, yeah so true because it's bigger than us it's not just me being here you are representing especially because we're so in the representation of us is so small right now you yeah. know it's a bigger effect because right now they see you man exactly mm -hmm. exactly there's like one really successful <laughs> so sad there's like one really successful black actress in spain Oh. And her name is Berta Vasquez, right? Uh -huh. I went to an event one day and everyone was like, are you Berta Vasquez? I, I was like, what? <laughs> like two totally different people. Just uh -huh. asking if Queen Latifah and Viola Davis are the same person. They're clearly and obviously not the same person, but that's yes. how, how thirsty they are for diversity here is that the one person who has been more or less successful in their career that kind of look like us mm -hmm. is 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 the is the one person that people thought I was and I was just like oh my goodness. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just laughing because no one will mistake me for Beyonce when I go home. Nobody mistakes me. <laughs> that would be cool I though. Like them too. Mm -hmm. Right? I know, right? <laughs> yes, that would be cool. But yeah, back home that wouldn't happen because they're you know, there's more knowledge. It's your home. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've learned a lot being here as well in terms of the perception of people um, on like people of African descent. Sometimes it's just mm -hmm. terrible. Sometimes. Um, yeah. I've had to <laughs> I've had to process a lot because being home in Jamaica where we are the dominant, I don't have to worry about things like that ever, ever. You know, yeah, we have different issues like colorism, but in terms of like specifically against people of African, it's not really. So I've had to really like pro process, talk to people. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, but you have to, you know, there's an extent to how much you should be having to educate someone because you really shouldn't have to. Um, yes, yes, true. With with internet and and with with Instagram and we can so easily learn this is not appropriate. And uh -huh. so um, uh -huh. it's, it's exhausting. But yeah, to to people of African descent um, across the board, um, it's it's a challenge. And I think for the the planet, like mm -hmm. globally, mm -hmm. people's. Um, basis for measuring racism oh. is America. <laughs> oh. And so they feel that, oh, if we're not doing it the way that they're doing it, and, and it's not, you know, because the things that are in the news over there, but it's not like this, oh. then we don't yeah right yes i heard someone say it like that like oh you know yeah. racism isn't here because it's not like in the states and i'm like yeah like is that your basis of comparison for racism yeah like, i don't know what i've been through <laughs> i've had to definitely educate some people and they with the girl they still do blackface here <laughs> yeah they do yeah Especially during such a wonderful holiday like Christmas there and on yes. New Year's, they're they're doing that and I'm like Yes, they are and they do it for Halloween too. And yeah. it's just like oh, you have to just kind of breathe in deeply. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is is that you and I, because it's not a privilege, but it's okay. kind of more of a prejudice, is okay. that once let's say someone has a problem with us or, or something happens and we're there. And um, because this is something you have to think about when you travel, because it's really sad that for you and me, we have to make sure we look how racist the country is. Like, what is a palatable race, a palatable racism for this country? Oh, it's just a little bit of race. All right, I'll go. So mm -hmm. here, once, once, let's say you have an issue, once someone realizes that you're from North America, they're like, huh, okay, oh, well, you're one of the cool ones. Like, yeah. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Now you tell them you're from Senegal, you tell them you're from Belize or mm -hmm. Colombia, and they're like, mm, mm, yeah, you know, we get treated slightly different just because we're from North America. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't really um, take that well because we're diaspora. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even though some of us are in Brazil, some of us are in Jamaica, some of us are in the US, we, a lot of us don't know the first place where we come from and we could very much be cousins and family like that's how we have to all look at each other it's like this is all us this mm -hmm. is all you know the lost children and mm -hmm. so you're not going to treat me differently mm -hmm. than her because i come from the u.s 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. I get that a lot. I get that. It's it's true. Um, I do think about that. Like when I will experience racism, I'm like, okay, it hurts. But at the same time, because of where I come from, I'm like, I I have the basis that I understand my dignity and my rights. Not saying other people don't, but I never had to struggle with that before. So what my point is that now I can like understand what other people who are really here because they have no other options or you know they are refugees how how much worse it is for them like i can go back home i can go back to my comfort but they can't really so that just gives me a heart for like i don't like this because these people you know they are here and i want it to be better even for them for me too but most especially for them exactly exactly yeah. and and i think um traveling mm-hmm. it should in my opinion humble the people that do it because if you ever traveled and i don't mean five star traveling because when i was younger i thought that was traveling is going to some place and getting a nice expensive hotel and staying in the same city you know what i mean for the whole yeah. trip and, and whatever that's not what um what traveling is when you truly travel and you go somewhere and you live among the people and you immerse yourself in the culture it should change who you are and you should realize that a border really means nothing mm-hmm. at the end of the day mm-hmm. because they're they're human and they're man-made constructs and you're like gosh this person is like just like me i know i'm living in the states i'm from texas and we have a really big mexican chicano tejano we have a big population of latin americans uh-huh. And they're not often treated very nicely. You might have seen, hey, you know, speak English here or something like that. Things that, that are thrown at them out there. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up with it and I've always, you know, empathized with whatever they went through um, because it's kind of like similar to the Black experience. However, I didn't truly understand. I empathized, but I didn't truly understand until, we, until I became the immigrant. Mm-hmm. And so I left my place of comfort mm-hmm. and was dropped into this entire new culture who did not speak my language, who did not grow up the way I did. Yeah. And it was really, really, really hard. And I gained a new respect for for someone being an immigrant and, yes. and leaving their life behind and going somewhere because it's hard, it's scary. And then sometimes the people that are there don't make it any easier. I remember one of my first audition, my first actually, my first audition that I had here, and you might have seen the video mm-hmm. like parody or, uh, um, that I made on my um, my page, where um, I went and I was so excited for my first audition because I hadn't acted for like months because I didn't think I could. Yeah. And I went on my first audition. I'm here. I'm dressed up and I'm ready to go. It's like a commercial or something. And then the lady starts talking to the other actors and she's talking so fast in Spanish. And I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I thought my little Spanish was enough to get me through this and it was not. And uh-huh. so when it was my turn and I had a habit or I had a habit of being first in line because psychology dictates that when you're first and when you're last, you stick in the minds of the people the most. When you're the first person or the last person. Oh, so nice. I'm always either first or I'm last. Mm-hmm. And so I come in and I get there and she starts talking to me and I'm like, in Spanish, I say, you know, could could you repeat that? Or mm-hmm. 
Is it fine if I say it in English because it's I don't really understand? She goes, Ugh. Oh wow. You're in Spain. You should be speaking Spanish. What is what is wrong with you? Is there anybody here that can speak English with this girl? And she's saying all this in Spanish. And girl, I like like I cried so much when I left there. But then it's like the first thing that came to mind is how many people go through that back home where I am? Yeah, oh. Right, in the up, like in the flip, kind of in Spanish. Mm. Uh huh. Or or anywhere they come yeah. from Russia or, or India or anything, and they they come here trying to start a life, trying to be a productive member of society, yeah. and you get this like don't be wrong mm -hmm. kind of feeling, mm -hmm. and it makes you want to kind of go inside. But so I think the more that you travel, the more that you are humbled. Mm -hmm. um, the more you respect the struggle that people go through, like you said, that, that you, it's more important for the people that are here because mm -hmm. they don't have much other choice. Right. And it's like you you respect them. You respect the immigrant because in the States, it's like speak English and you're like, but I know Spanish too and I know French too. And, I, and they're just like speak English. So if you're of a lower income and you speak multiple languages, Maybe not all of them perfectly, but you speak multiple languages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, right. A big impressive thing. Like, it is. Like here that in Spain, if you don't know at least three, you're kind of like. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> many yeah. Europeans. I'm impressed. They know many languages. So many. Like I have so many friends who speak at least four or five minimum. Right. Like well, that's not uh -huh. even the ones that don't even speak well. So it's just like. I'm struggling with two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, yes, you yes. can know a lot in your country, but when you when you get to know other people internationally, it just it just opens your eyes a lot. And perhaps someone who's watching now they can't necessarily travel. That's fine. You can get to know people on the internet or somewhere, or maybe someone in your own country who have immigrated, because that's really common right now. You can get to know them and their culture. And yes. I believe it's beautiful. It is. It's really beautiful. And as difficult as the past year has been, it's shown us how connected we can be. Yes. And how incredibly useful um being connected even virtually is yeah and right. like i've literally been taking classes in london you know and yes. i'm able wow. to keep closer with my friends that live in la and my friends in australia and uh -huh. it's just like you know wow like this uh -huh. is here all along and you know we weren't really appreciating it or or using it to its full potential and now we are and we're seeing like how different things can be and it's, mm -hmm. it is beautiful like you said what special memory do you have from working on the chosen oh my gosh there's so <laughs> there's so many special um, cause I have some funny ones too. Special, I think. Actually, it's so crazy because all of the actors, a lot of their special memories are often connected to Jonathan and somehow Jonathan Romy, who plays Jesus, of course, the, the main character in the show. Um, uh, Jonathan, I think it was my first day on set. Girl, they threw me into like the most emotional scene right away. And I was like, crap, <laughs> I hope I can do this. And for those who've seen the series, it was the the, the part where Tamar's in the roof. 
And like before we go, I, I hadn't really met anyone yet, you know, just hair and makeup and that's it. And Jonathan, he pulls me to the side and he's just like, um, he gets my hands. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and he looks me in my eyes and he goes, thank you. I love you. And I was just, cause I honestly was just like, what's happening here? Like, what if I stick my hands? And then as soon as he said that, I just started crying. I was just like, oh, I love you too. Like, I don't even know. Like, and it was just, it was really beautiful. And it was so special. And it really put me in the place that I needed to be to go and do that scene afterwards. Um, in order to to be and felt how she really felt and the passion that she had. He really, I don't know, he gives so much of himself. And so it was kind of like he did that for me. Cause like, if he can't get there, like he'll be like, I need like Dallas, like I need set to be quiet. I need everything to just, because I need to connect with her. And he just stops everything just so that he can connect with you. Wow. So you can get the most authentic, mm -hmm. the most heartfelt um, um, reactions, you know? And it was, it was pretty special for me. And that was like my first scene. And so I was really nervous. And then after that, it was just like, yeah, because I think acting looks really easy to people sometimes. You think you just pretend. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's so much more than that because you can always tell when an actor pretends. You're like, oh, I don't really like that. Often to get to the places we need to go, it's kind of like um, you have to open yourself up. Now there's different methods and I'm not gonna get into all the methods, but there's so many different methods of acting. Yeah. Some of them really require you to just really put yourself in the place of the character. Like, you know, you've probably heard of actors just, they have to play, I don't know, Jack the Ripper. And so they act like Jack the Ripper all the time. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, Will Smith, I think, is a method actor. Um, and then you have type of uh, methodologies that say, okay, what you need to do is use your own life experience and relate it to their life experience. So you find some common ground, opens uh -huh. up this door between the two of you and uh -huh. you can move forward. This is pretty effective, but it's also kind of um, dangerous. And, and you've also okay. probably heard of actors like this where they, after they're done shooting, they have to go to therapy because they can't differentiate the two anymore. Mm -hmm. Wow. Who's the character? Who's me? Uh -huh. And then there's, there's just so many different types. And I think Jonathan, and I think a lot of the actors there, like they're able to find some really beautiful common ground between like all of these milks. Everyone's bringing something different from us, a different school of thought. And I know for sure in that moment, it was able, it connected me with her and it put me in her shoes. And I just wanted to be around him. I just wanted, I needed him in that moment. And it was it was really beautiful. And I know that he's done that with so many, you you talk to them all and they'll, they're all gonna give you a Jonathan story, probably pretty similar to that one. And it's, it's, it's really sweet, it's really beautiful. And um, I think it shows on screen. Oh yeah, I can um, feel the emotion from the show, you know? Like I, I literally just feel how intense it is, how 
you know, vulnerable people are, especially in that time. And yeah, I guess like whatever is happening in the background is working. Not even, I guess, yeah. you can see it. It's, it's, it's like on, on the shows and you may have characters are on there for a short period of time or maybe just an episode or maybe for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Nobody is treated like they're less just because they're not on screen or they're not a main character. And that's one of the most incredible things is that you're on screen, like um, the character that plays Ethan, and a lot of people don't know him as Ethan. Ethan is formerly known as the paralytic. His, oh um, the actor's name is Noe. Mm-hmm. And even though he literally said, you know, just a few phrases in episode one, the performance was palpable, right? You're looking mm-hmm. at him, like when that toe moves, you're like, <gasps> yes, like yes. he's walking, <laughs> he's getting there. <laughs> right. It was so moving. So even just the short, the characters with the shortest time on the show to the longest time, it, it's all just as a, like affects you just as much. And they, and the chosen works really hard to, to get the right people to play these parts. Yeah. And so I really, it's something I appreciate. And I am so moved. I am really moved because I know that um, I'm not the only one who thinks like this. I've spoken to friends who are just amazed with how a fate-based film like this not okay with anything just being mediocre and that just inspires me even as a person like a christian that i okay i have talents and i can't just be throwing things out there i mean yes there's growth needed so you know i can try my best right now but the thing is just do my best and not just be like oh yeah, whatever. You know, God loves it. I'm doing it for God. No, no. This is going to impact the world. This is to inspire people. So whatever I'm doing, just bring it. So I've been really inspired by all of this, truly. <laughs> I, and I think that it's a standard that we should all live by. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of my mottos is that, you know, you know, why, why be mediocre, you know, when you can be great, like, you know, God isn't mediocre with you, right? Yeah. So, right. um, I think that when we put things out there that we should put things out there with, you know, um, and I half-assedly, that is something that they do. And it is something that's pretty inspiring to me. And um, that goes for everybody that you see on and off screen. And um, I try to live by that uh, in my life as well. And I try to live by faith, not by sight, because if it was by sight, I wouldn't do anything. Oh, I would not. I have, you know, some anxiety and I also have, um, just a really cautious person. And if I just lived in that spirit all the time and and I never stepped out on faith, I literally would be doing 99% of the things that I I'm doing now. And I, I wouldn't have had the experience. And I, and I, I always say that like, when you have to choose between doing what's safe, step out on faith because that's where all the magic happens. That's where all the beautiful things lie.